0: During the summer, am I on? I think so. During the summer of 2010, LeBron James was a free agent, and that means that he could sign with any NBA team that he wanted to. And being one of the greatest players in the world, the choice was all his, what team wouldn't want him. And so his decision of what team to play for is now infamously known as the decision. Uh, it was made on national TV. And that type of hoopla, pun intended, was unprecedented. No pro athlete had done something like this before. And so it made LeBron look like an egomaniac. I mean, made him look like a narcissist, a totally self-absorbed person is the way that he came across to many people. Because it looked from the outside like he was trying to make as big of a deal about himself as he possibly could. And then the very next day after he decided... He was taking his talents to South Beach, as he said. The very next day, uh, LeBron and two other star players of his new team, the Miami Heat, were honored in this pep rally at the arena. Thousands of fans came to adore them and, you know, like just celebrate the fact that these three all stars are on the same team. And it, the pep rally ended with. A uh, little Q&A with the stars, and the last question was, LeBron, I know you came here to win multiple championships, not just one, so t- talk to us about that. And LeBron said, that's right, not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six. He never said how many, but he said not six. And he only signed a four-year contract, so <laughs> I don't know how he's going to do that. But all that to say, 2010 was a year that people changed their perception of LeBron James. I mean, all celebrities, there's like a love and hate relationship, it seems like. But with LeBron before 2010, it was nothing like LeBron after 2010. He was he was villainized, right? I, I see some eyes of you all. Like, I can tell who's the NBA fans in the room. Because I'm with you. I enjoy basketball. So... After the decision, he was much more polarizing. And it seemed like a lot more people hated him than loved him. They wanted to see him lose, is what I mean by hated him. They wanted to see him humiliated. And so uh, he received a lot of criticism because this isn't a very wise way to live. Jeremiah 9.23 says, This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom, or the strong man boast of his strength, or the rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts boast about this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord. So considering what LeBron did in the context of that verse is he was a wise man boasting of his wisdom. LeBron hadn't won a championship and he wanted to win championships. So he was thinking that he was being wise, saying, I want to win. I know how to win and surround myself with other talent and I will win. I'm a strong man boasting of my strength. I'm the best and I know it. If you surround me with a good enough team, I will win. And, oh, by the way, he'll make a lot of money doing it. A rich man boasting of his riches. And so you might think, well, I'd never do something that stupid, Ben. I would never air my boast on national TV. And maybe not, but we all have a boast. We all have something that we're proud of, something that's a really big deal to us. Because a boast is a lot more than just words. It's whatever drives us. And whether or not our boast is aired live on ESPN or whether or not we tell it to anybody, whatever we boast in will drive our lives. Our boast will show up. So if you're tempted to boast in riches, or if you do boast in riches, it will drive you to accumulate money and possessions. If your boast is in wisdom, It will drive you to accumulate knowledge, ability, and perhaps maybe some accolades, which recognize your knowledge and ability. If you boast in strength, it'll drive you to get stronger, develop more skill, to use your strength, to wear those cutoff shirts at the Y. If you boast in strength, you're going to show it off. Whatever you boast in will drive your life. And of course, even if no one else sees it, God does. And I want you to know you will boast in something. You were made to boast. We were all made to boast, to make a big deal out of something. So we will. And it's really important then, if we're going to boast, that's part of our lives and how we were made, that we know what good and healthy boasting is and bad and unhealthy boasting is. And that's exactly what Paul is going to distinguish in our passage today. Good and healthy boasting from unhealthy bad boasting. So let's read our passage. Uh, It'll be on the screen, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 through 17. Paul says, We are not bold to class or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves, but when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves, with themselves, they're without understanding. But we will not boast beyond our measure, but within the measure of the sphere which God apportioned to us as a measure to reach even as far as you. For we are not overextending ourselves as if we did not reach to you, for we were the first to come even as far as you in the gospel of Christ, not boasting beyond our measure, that is, in other men's labors, But with the hope that as your faith grows, we will be within our sphere enlarged even more by you, so as to preach the gospel even to the regions beyond you, and not to boast in what has been accomplished in the sphere of another. But he who boasts is to boast in the Lord. For it is not he who commends himself that is approved, but he whom the Lord commends." And so here, Paul is distinguishing healthy boasting as Christ-centered boasting and unhealthy boasting as self-centered boasting. And he's making this distinction because, if you're here for the first time, there's a little bit of background, just a little bit on this letter. He's making this distinction because some in the church at Corinth had become impressed with this new group of teachers that had come in after Paul had left to go plant other churches, And these guys were called the super apostles or they were referred to as that because they saw themselves as super and they wanted other people to think they were super. But the teachers, the super apostles, they weren't super. They actually were unhealthy, self-centered boasters. They were self-promoters. And part of the church, not the whole church, but part of the church at Corinth was responding like the fans at that Miami Heat pep rally. They were going crazy. They were loving it. I mean, if you're promising us six or more championships, of course, that's going to be great. But uh, it wasn't great because it's self-centered boasting. And so Paul is writing them because he cares too much about this church for them to accept unhealthy, inappropriate boasting from their leadership because then they will become unhealthy boasters themselves. They'll, they'll start boasting in the bad way. And so Paul needs to distinguish, okay, this is bad boasting, this is good boasting. And so we're going to see three characteristics of bad boasting and three characteristics of good boasting. And the red, the red numbers will be the bad, so stop, don't do this, red, right? And then green is go, green is good, good boasts. So we're going to look, and, and it's kind of a contrast that I hope you'll be able to see in this passage of, don't do this, do this. So we'll start with the bad, self-centered, unhealthy boast. Self-centered boasting compares ourself with other people. Verse 12, Paul says, we're not bold to class or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. And some translations say that they they translate what Paul said as, we don't dare number ourselves with them who commend themselves. Like, we don't even dare to be in their camp. And you shouldn't either, is what Paul is saying. But if we're honest with ourselves, this is our natural bent to compare ourselves with other people. And if you have any doubt, spend some time with some of our two-year-olds sometime the most popular toy is the one that the other kid has. Once they get the toy, it's not the most, it's not the precious toy that they once thought it was. It's, it's always the other toy. And we do the same thing. We're always looking around, comparing ourselves with other people, trying to climb the social ladder. And, and like I said, we can do it with possessions and money, with strength, with wisdom. I, n- I remember when I was in middle school and high school, I did it by looking at the kids around me thinking, okay, they're more popular than me, but I'm more popular than them. How can I associate with people who could move me up into the upper stratosphere of popularity? What clothes do I need to stop wearing? What clothes do I need to start wearing? What words do I need to start saying? We all do this throughout our lives. This is our natural bent. But whenever we engage in this type of comparison, we're finding our value and where we land on the ladder, and how high we can get, how high we can climb on the ladder. When we compare ourselves with others, we find our value and our identity in the wrong place. It's unhealthy for us, and it's unhealthy for the people around us. And so God urges us to have a different perspective about ourselves and about people around us. So instead of boasting about how we compare ourselves with other people, God is encouraging us to boast in who Christ is by boasting. Look at this. This is the first healthy boast. Our first healthy boast is contained within God's measure to us. And that measure is relationships. So, verse 13, I, I want to remind you of this. It says, We're not going to boast beyond our measure, but within the measure of the sphere which God apportioned to us as a measure to reach even as far as you. So I get relationships out of this because Paul, and I I know this is a little confusing. If that's your car, you can go ahead and get it. Uh, It's not going to bother me. Sorry, I don't know whose car that is. Um, So Paul is saying relationships is actually the first source of our healthy boasting. And it's not comparing my relationships with yours, but it's, It's having pride in these relationships, Uh, because he says at the end of verse thirteen, this whole thing, and you're going to see this word measure a lot. What Paul means by measure is the relationships that God's entrusted to you. So instead of the ladder illustration, I want to use a lawn illustration. If you're a home homeowner, you have a lawn, front lawn, back lawn. You have trees in your lawn. You have flowers, maybe, or a a vegetable garden. And, and think about the, the, the measure that God has apportioned to you as your lawn. This is a lawn that God's given you. It has boundaries, right? Your lawn. Your role with your lawn is to make it as beautiful and as fruitful and as healthy as you can. And that's what a healthy Christ-centered boast looks like. You take really good care of the people in your life. You exert effort because it takes effort to do anything around the house, but it takes effort to upkeep a lawn. It, you have to exert effort to make these relationships fruitful and healthy. So unhealthy boasting is self-centered. It's like climbing a ladder. Healthy boasting is God-centered. It's cultivating relationships with others so that they can be successful. And not successful to climb the ladder, but successful in God's eyes. And we're going to see more of what successful in God's eyes looks like as we unpack this passage. And you might think, well, if I'm, if I'm trying to be good, a good caretaker of my lawn, then can't I easily turn that into a way to climb the ladder, a way to get to the top? Uh, and that's what we see in the next characteristic of, of bad boasting, is it overextends in order to impress verse 14 says we're not overextending ourselves as if we didn't reach to you for we were the first to come even as far as as you in the gospel of christ not boasting beyond our measure that is in other men's labors so i guess what i'm trying to trying to say is uh if god's given us a lawn to take care of then it'd be easy to to go around and say well uh I'm going to try to choose my lawn. <laughs> I'm going to say, okay, uh, those flowers are really good. I'll take those flowers in my lawn. Um, you know, like Jake has this really cool relationship with Corey. goes all the way back to high school. I'm going to say that's part of my lawn. It's not. That'd be boasting beyond my measure. I've got a relationship with Corey, but it's not Jake's. God has entrusted that to Jake and to Corey. That's part of their lawn for this season of their life. And we all got to be, we got, we got that shared with us this morning, but it's still a unique part of their lawn. Mm-hmm. The sphere, the measure that God has apportioned to them. We can also try to manipulate this by saying, oh, I just want to surround myself with the most spiritually mature people because then my lawn looks great, and there's very little maintenance. It's easy to upkeep. I've created the best lawn for myself. And that's, that's trying to turn our lawns into a social ladder to climb. Uh, that's turning a good boast, what should be a good boast, into a bad boast. That's overextending in order to impress. And there's definitely some overlap. Like, it's not hard and fast, clear cut, This is where the fence runs through my lawn in between mine and yours. There's overlap as we live in community. Parents, for example, your kids are a unique fixture in your lawn of relationships that God has given you to care for. But if you're a part of this church, then they're also our kids as a church that we partner with you in order to raise them well. You should absolutely be inviting them to know and love Jesus, both by your words and your actions. But as a church, that's our responsibility to do that as well, to compliment you in that. Corey mentioned this during his baptisms, that it was, it was Jake and then there was an, a number of other people that God brought into his life. So small groups and one-on-one relationships. These are ways that our lawns, our sphere of relationships, They overlap. So it's not so clear-cut. There's a fence. You do your side of the lawn. I'll do mine. But there is some sharing. But the important thing is that each one of us is responsible with the lawn that God has entrusted to you. Because if we're each responsible for our own lawn, then the whole cul-de-sac, the whole neighborhood, the whole church appears beautiful as God intends for it to be. But the... I think what Paul is saying is we need to boast in our lawn in the measure, the sphere that God has apportioned to you. Be faithful in that. And then you can boast in that. You can boast in your relationships, not that they're perfect, but that you're doing everything you can to encourage people to Christ and to grow deeper in relationship with Christ. So healthy Christ-centered boasting is boasting in the success of others and this is what this is what we want to encourage people towards. This is what we ourselves want to be encouraged towards, that our faith would grow and that we would be enlarged by other people so that the gospel can reach regions beyond us where the gospel hasn't penetrated, where people don't know about Jesus that they can hear and believe and be saved. We don't want to boast about what's been accomplished in the sphere of another. We, I believe that God wants to use you. That's what the Bible teaches. Every single person who belongs to Jesus, he wants to use. And that's where, it's at this point that my lawn illustration totally breaks down. And I'm fine with that. So let's just break it down together. Um, Spiritual lawns expand, physical lawns don't. Spiritual lawns grow. So this, this sphere, this circle of influence, your, your relationships, those expand because as you make people successful, they go out and what do they do? They cultivate their own lawn, right? And yeah, like they're still part of your, they'll, they'll always have been part of your own lawn, but they go, And they tell other people about Jesus and they help them to grow in following Jesus. And then people from their lawn go and do that. So we all have a measure to be faithful with. And when we're faithful, our sphere will expand in whatever way God wants it to expand. We can't make people grow. Only God can do that. But we are called to nurture and invest in others. And Paul is saying that you can and should boast in Jesus as you take part of what he's doing, both through you and in others. And so with our one-year celebration, that's exactly what we want to do. We want it to be a time of good and healthy boasting, how Christ has been at work in us and through us. But meanwhile, we got to be on our guard about having our good boast turned and twisted into a bad boast. Because... The essence of self-centered boasting is that it commends self and it's without understanding. Verse 18, Paul says, it's not he who commends himself that's proved." And then in verse 12, he says, people who do that, they're without understanding. And I've personally done this. I've made this mistake where I pursue a good boast, right? But it is twisted into a bad boast. In college, Both a good friend of mine and I, we both started working on our spiritual lawns for the first time, but it quickly became like competition, right? And we didn't realize that it was happening at the time, but that's what it turned into. We were climbing the ladder by comparing our lawns. And I've learned since then it's really easy to have your good boasts twisted into a bad boast. And At points like that, the devil just wants you to stop cultivating your lawn. Stop pursuing and encouraging relationships with other people for the sake of Jesus. Just give up. But if you do that, you're going to be prevented from growing and being a part of what God's doing. You don't have to be perfect to be a Christian. In fact, because of Jesus' death and resurrection, our bad boast can be turned back into a good boast. Because healthy, Christ-centered boasting is based on our being commended by God, that he approves us, not that we deserve to be approved. So the last characteristic is that we boast in a healthy way in the one who commends us. Verse 17 says, He who boasts is to boast in the Lord, for it's not the one who commends himself that's approved, but the one that the Lord commends. So our boast is not that we deserve to be approved by God, but we are approved. That's our boast. We're approved even though we don't deserve it. And the world wants you to believe that your value comes from what you have or what you do. God says you're valuable because he values you. So let's move into application. And really with this application, I just want to ask two questions to help you identify your boast. That's, that's the right way to apply this passage is know what you're boasting in. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you've already committed to have him be your deepest boast. But use this time to identify, okay, so what's competing for your deepest boast? So here are the two questions. Is, the first is why do you say what you do? Why do you do what you do? It's a helpful tool to use at the end of the day. Why, why did I say that? Why did I do that? Did I do that to bless God, to make much of God? Did I do that to, to bless other people, to encourage them, to help them? Or did I do that so that I'd feel good, so that I'd look good? It'll help you determine if you're trying to climb a ladder or cultivate a lawn. And the second question is, uh, what shows your deepest boast? This is actually multiple questions. What makes you glad and encouraged, and why? It might not reveal your deepest boast at first, but it'll help you get there. It'll help peel back the layers. What makes you sad? What makes you discouraged? Why does that make you sad and discouraged? What keeps you going after you've achieved something great or when you've done really poorly, what keeps you going? Those are things that can help identify what our deepest boast is. And you might think, well, Ben, I'm just glad when I have a good day. I'm sad when I have a bad day. Well, what makes the days good and bad? Is it feeling a certain way, feeling close to someone? Is it getting things done, having a sense of accomplishment, having things going according to plan? I'm not saying any of those things are bad, but none of those are enough to be your deepest boast. Even good things like being a great father and husband. If that's your deepest boast, what happens when your wife leaves you and your child grows up and alienates you? And if your friends leave you, I don't wish that on anyone, but despite all your efforts, what do you have left? If that's your deepest boast, by definition, you don't have anything else left. Or if it's in work and you get let go, even if it's unjustly, then what do you have left? Discipleship to Jesus means that he is your deepest boast. It means that he is your life. Everything else falls into its proper place from him at the top, from his leadership. And Jesus said it this way in Luke 14, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Or Luke 9, whoever wants to save their life will lose it but whoever loses their life for me will save it. And if that sounds scary to you, I understand. I mean, God definitely understands. If that confuses you, talk to God about it. Find someone else and work through your confusion. But I just want to bring those verses to your attention to to show that following Jesus is not a side gig also want you to know that he's not out to ruin your life and destroy your family. He's out to give you life. Life that is truly life. Life that's only found by having him as your deepest boast. And sometimes people take verses like this and truths like this as a challenge, personal challenge, to run off and go do something great for God, to prove their commitment by leaving their jobs joining ministry, sometimes neglecting their families. And I've, know, I've known people personally who have made that mistake, and it's a mistake. Uh, most of the time, what's driving that mistake is that they're boasting of their own righteousness. It's a self-centered boasting. Look at me, I'll do anything for Jesus. God is not impressed. He doesn't approve of that. He doesn't approve people for that. We are approved by grace alone, God's undeserved gift, the gift that he paid for and gave to us. So what does it mean to make Jesus our deepest boast? I think the right place to start is found in this passage. It's not the one who commends himself who's approved, but it's the one that the Lord commends. So, what, so I think the way that we start and the way that we keep Jesus as our deepest boast is to listen to his approval of you and to accept his approval of you. He loves you. God loves you with the love that he has for his son. He's well pleased with you if you are in Christ. And if you just linger there and keep listening to his commendation of you, His loving approval will move you to action. His grace is not without effect. So a big reason that we're going through this book, this letter of 2 Corinthians, is because as each one of us moves towards making disciples, as we're each faithful in the lawn that God has apportioned and entrusted to us, we're going to find this is not easy. We'll see that our good boast gets twisted into a bad boast. And in short, we're going to feel our weakness. And naturally, we won't like feeling weak. But the theme of this book is that God's power is made perfect in weakness. So we need to keep pressing into our weakness so that God's power will be made perfect. It'll be displayed through us. So as we seek to cultivate relationships with people in the name of Jesus, both inside the church and outside the church, we've got to keep him as our deepest boast. He alone makes us adequate. Paul says in 2 Corinthians verse three, such confidence we have through Christ before God. So I'll paraphrase. This is our boast. This is our confidence. Not that we are competent in ourselves, to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He's made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. He has made you competent as ministers if you are a follower of Jesus. None of us have what it takes. But if you belong to Jesus, you have who it takes. Let's pray together. Talk to God about what you're tempted to boast in selfishly. We all have those pulls. God's not surprised or disappointed by you being tempted. So just be honest with him. communicate to God your desire to turn away from self-centered boasting and to make Christ your deepest boast. And if this is the first time that you're committing to Christ and making him the deepest boast of your life, tell someone Or if you sense that God is urging you to tell someone about uh, your repentance, your turning from one boast to Christ as your deepest boast, then feel free to tell someone after the service. And just spend some time thanking God for his approval of you in Christ.